Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray for your grace at this time to lay aside the things that may be weighing on us or distracting us. Lord, help us to be attentive to what you want to do this morning. We pray, Lord, that in all things you would be given the greater honor and glory. For we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Now, Louisa, I'm going to try to control the slides from up here. And it will work. Until it, until it doesn't. So in the 20th century, there was a great uh, Christian philosopher named Karl Rahner. He was a, a German uh, Jesuit priest. And he said that the Christian of the future will be a mystic or he will not exist at all. The Christian of the future will be a mystic or he will not exist at all. And he wrote this a long time ago. And what he was basically saying is that the church as we know it, the things that we depend on, they're not sure things. The only sure thing we have is a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And that the way we live our day-to-day -day lives needs to be uh, in the practice of the presence, of being attentive and aware of God's working in and around us all the time. Now in the letter of, of James today, a lot of us beat ourselves up for the stupid things we say, right? The tongue is so dangerous because it cannot be tamed. It just says stuff and you're like, ugh, that came out of this right here, our heart. And if we want to feel guilty, it's because we're worshiping our wills. And when our wills let us down to be the kind of person that we want to be, we feel guilty about it. Here's the gospel. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to transform our hearts. When our hearts are transformed, it doesn't matter if the tongue is, is tamed or not because our hearts will be producing beautiful things to say. So even when we speak at a turn, it's grace, it's peace, it's love. In the meantime, <laughs> it's often silly or not helpful or actually just plain hateful. Our heart can be pretty messed up. I don't want to focus on James today. I want to focus on Psalm 19. Because I think that Psalm 19 shows us how we can allow that transformation to take place. I've been, I've been, uh, I have an old friend. His name is a book. It's Celebration of Discipline by, by uh, Richard Foster. And I've just picked that up recently. I've started reading it again. And he basically says that when we turn the spiritual disciplines into laws, then it's death. But if we treat the spiritual disciplines as our part in cultivating a space where God can transform our hearts, then spiritual practices are life. I think Psalm 19 is a little window into what David was experiencing when he was aware of God in creation and in special revelation like the Bible. Now, I'm, I'm coming to you this morning after a crazy week, and I'm going to confess something. I wrote this sermon this morning at 5.30. <laughs> and I think it's hilarious that I knew I wanted to preach on this. I knew God on Sunday night last week, this is it. It was confirmed again on Wednesday, right, when we had our Bible study. Yes, this is for us today. And the week went off the rails. 
And I think, how much do I need to hear this today? So if this is a little woo, <laughs> that's the way of it. Sorry. Okay. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. When a Christian looks at something spectacular, they naturally give praise to God. Look at that. Okay, so this was a tweet last year. And it was tweeted by a guy named John Carmichael. And I'm going to read his description because I haven't had that much coffee yet. A composite, this is a composite photo of the position of the phases of the moon over 28 days. Each photo taken at the same exact location each day. And the photo is by Georgia Hawthorne. Now, so that's one photo overlaid, the next, the next, the next. Isn't that incredible? Isn't there symmetry there? When we take the time to attend to all creation, the heavens, a sunset, God speaks. Praise is inspired. But how often are we running from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next? Someone said in the Bible study um, on Wednesday that, that they went to Florida and the stars were beautiful. The sky was incredible. And then they came home and they looked up at the stars again and found that they were the same. The problem was they didn't take time to look. I'm guilty of that. When I am feeling really stressed out, I go for a walk around Killarney Lake and things feel better. When we have hurry and rush forcing everything out all the time, we don't get to hear this soundless speech from creation. But it's essential for us as God's creatures, as God's children, to be attentive and to be listening to everything that's going around um, and what God is trying to speak to us. God is bidding for our attention. Uh, a, a, a couple years ago, I went up to Rogersville Monastery, and it was in the wintertime, and I got my snowshoes on, and I went for a walk, and I discovered a path. So I followed the path. And I discovered that that's where the hermit used to live, way, way down by the other end, uh, end of the lake. And I just thought, whoa, that would be terrifying to walk here by myself at night. Because that's what the hermit did when they had one. He would walk back at night and he would clean the monastery for the brothers. And then he'd walk back to the hermitage. As I was walking along there, there was a really brave woodpecker. This woodpecker was really brave because within two arm lengths of me, it was pecking at a branch. And something told me to sit and watch this woodpecker. So I was like, that's a woodpecker. And I, and I, and I was like, really? And his inner voice said, really look at this woodpecker. So I was really looking at the woodpecker. And I noticed that it went along the branch and it would peck and listen. It would flip underneath the branch and it would peck, and it would listen. 
and then it would go somewhere else in the branch. And it wasn't getting anything. And then finally it found the sweet spot, pecked through the wood, and started having breakfast. And I said out loud, okay, what are you trying to say to me through this woodpecker? And then the bird started to speak. No, I'm just joking. No. (laughs) I just realized that I was dealing with, with something I was wrestling with, and I wasn't getting anywhere with it. And as I was watching this bird try different angles and persevere, I was encouraged to try it at different angles and to persevere. I would never have received that if I hadn't taken time to pause and to listen and to look. The heavens declare the glory of God. Paul writes in Romans Um, In chapter 1, he says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen. They've been understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. My brothers and my sisters, it is time for us in this disorientating time to get out in the nature and to listen to what God is saying, how he is revealing himself. How can we claim to know God when we don't even share a sunset with him? I'm convinced it is time for us to be listening and to be attending in this way. David then turns his attention to scripture, to the law, to the writings. The law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. How many times in the past year have I looked at Scripture and said, I don't understand. This is confusing. This is not enlightening. This is just hard to swallow. How many times have you done that? And just like, I've taken one of my study Bibles, I wanted to kick it out the door. Because I'm like, that is so obvious. What about this verse? You didn't touch that verse. The law of the Lord is perfect. I read an article recently how um, outsiders like you and me um, will look at uh, the Inuit uh, culture and and, and look at their language and say, they have hundreds of words for snow and ice. And this article said, that is so wrong. They have 10 words for snow, or sorry, 12 words for snow and 10 words for ice. And all the other words are are combinations of the other (laughs) words. So it gets really complicated, but there's only only 12. Now, I don't know if you notice as we are reading that, the law, the statutes, the precepts, the commands, the decrees, all these different things. Why is it that we only have one word for snow? Because it disappears. (laughs) Yes, it's because it disappears. If we were immersed in it all the time, we would observe more and more and more. But here there's so many different words for how God speaks, and David is rejoicing in all the way God speaks to him through written words. Everything he says is perfect. It's joyful. It's life-giving. It's instructive. It's all of these things. 
how often do we immerse ourselves in it? I want to just put a plug in here for a second. Uh, for those of us who have no real experience doing meditation with scripture, um, there is a resource that you can use your phone or your computer called Lectio 365. And it is a wonderful resource. It's free, and it gives you a little snippet of scripture and then guides you through a meditation with it. It's so helpful. We read morning prayer every day on Zoom here, and there's big chunks of scripture, and that's great. It's good to read lots of scripture. But if you have a hard time attending to God in scripture, I would invite you to do something like that. Or if you don't have a computer or anything, talk to me. I love telling people what to do. <laughs> no, I'd be happy to, to guide you through that and to walk with you through that. It's a beautiful process to go deeper with scripture that way. David goes on to say that the fear of the Lord, to revere the Lord, is pure and enduring. Um, and, and, you know, all of these things, how are we supposed to know our way? Unless, unless we are attending to Scripture and looking for God's guidance in there. <laughs> all right. Yesterday, we were fishing. And if anyone's listening to this online, of course I have a license. Uh, but we were fishing, and, and as we were going, we were like, uh, our kids were, were, I couldn't believe it. They were pulling fish after fish after fish after fish. I, my aunt Liz was just run ragged trying to keep up with all these fish and putting more bait on, and it, it was fun. But the question arose while we were pulling the fish out of the water, Dad, can fish breathe out, out in the air? Can they breathe? I was like, no. They were designed to breathe underwater just like we were designed to breathe above water. Now, certain things are pretty simple forward. Like, that's how we were designed. Try breathing underwater. It's, it's not fun. <laughs> In verse 12, it says, Who can discern their own errors? God, forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth, which are produced from the heart, and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In life, it's often hard and, and more, it's, it's difficult to see how things affect us when we're operating in a place that's contrary to our design. To be present with the Lord, to be in his presence and you know, allowing him to speak through the scriptures allows that specific teaching. We need to learn how to do that, though. A marriage counselor I know once uh, instructed that every spouse has bids for their partner. And sometimes those bids are very obvious. Would you listen to me? That's pretty clear. Another bid could be simply sitting close to you on the couch. Or how was your day? Or what time is it? And the more often you answer those bids, the healthier your relationship will be. And the less frequently you answer those bids, the more distant you will grow. God is bidding for our attention all the time. Are we attentive to it? 
Um, if you read the sower, this is the end of the sermon, by the way. Uh, if you read the sower, uh, you'll, you'll know that I wanted to do a sermon series this fall exploring movement, right? Because we were supposed to move to green in August. Did you miss it? I did. Uh, it didn't happen. But in the Christian walk, we move. We move towards God. We move uh, to become more Christ-like, and we move out to share the good news. And I was trying to prepare for this, this sermon series, and whenever I sat down to pray about it, my mind just went... Whew. And then after it settled, I thought David Edwards, our bishop. So time and time again, whew, David Edwards, whew, David Edwards. It was a nightmare. So I called David up, and I said can we meet to discuss something fun? Would you like to do something fun with me? He said, yes. What do you want to do? I said, let's plan a sermon series. And he surprisingly said, all right, let's do it. So we met up and, and we discussed this. And he said, you know, every sermon I've heard recently has been pray more, read your Bible more, know Jesus better. You know, all these things. He goes, those are great. He said, where, would, where do we need to move? It's towards the marks of mission. He said, so if you're going to do a sermon series, please do the marks of mission. And for those of us who don't know what the marks of mission are, I can't believe this is working as well as it is. Um, there's, there's five things. To proclaim the kingdom's good news in word and action. To baptize and nurture new believers. To respond to human need by loving service. To change society's unjust structures. And to safeguard the integrity of creation. That's where we're going to look over the next few weeks. But first, he said, we've got to start somewhere else. We've got to start with worship. Why do we do what we do? So next, excuse me, next week, God willing, we're going to have an instructed Eucharist. So that means no sermon next week. I'm sorry. <laughs> Instead, we're going to look at the, the Eucharist and say, why do we do what we do? Because there's a reason. The liturgy is the work of the people and it's supposed to form us. It's our corporate act together of worshiping and communion. So we're going to look at that more closely and then following that, we're going to start pursuing this movement outwards in all the ways the kingdom is drawing us to go. Sound good? All right. So I didn't want you to think I was lying in the sower. <laughs> Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this amazing creation you have made. We thank you for the wonder that surrounds us and for the beauty that takes our breath away. Would you please give us grace? to attend to you in your creation. Would you please give us grace to attend to you through your written word, that you may guide us and correct us, that you would encourage and convict. Lord, I pray that in all of our hearts there would be more space for you to move and to operate so that we can be agents of your kingdom and that your name, Jesus, would be exalted everywhere. For it is in your name that we pray. Amen.